we're on week two of online church, and uh, we just want to thank you for joining us. Um, I hope that you've been in touch with somebody this morning, text or phone call. If not, after the service, uh, encourage you to call somebody, text them, let them know you, you miss them, you love them, you're praying for them and thinking about them. Uh, it looks like we're going to do this at least one more week. So uh, the uh, governor has asked that we uh, go for uh, at least one more week. So we are going to um, honor that. So like you, we are adopting, adapting um, each week. So when you come back, there are going to be a few changes to the facility. We've uh, had to actually set up a separate video area south of where our sound booth is. So we've been working on building um, that all week. We have decided that uh, we're going to make a commitment to doing this even uh, past this time. When we go back to meeting together, we're going to continue to uh, uh, broadcast our, our services. So uh, it's always been part of the plan, but now it's something that we've kind of had to fast forward to. So each week we're working on a different aspect of it to make it a little better. So this week we tried adding a little music uh, before the service and then uh, worked on some of the switching back and forth to screens. So uh, we, hopefully we'll get that uh, under control this week. Next week we're looking at doing some audio and then uh, actually next week we're going to try to add uh, special music uh, at 10 o'clock. So uh, bear with us. Uh, it's a learning process for all of us. My wife and I are, are, are hip deep in trying to learn this, this whole new uh, way of uh, communicating, but uh, it's also allowed us uh, opportunity to reach people that we haven't uh, been able to, that, that aren't able to be here. So uh, we're thrilled about the opportunity and I uh, look forward to seeing how the Lord's going to continue to use it. So uh, if you're not on our email list, let me encourage you uh, to go on our Facebook page, sign up. That's how we primarily communicate with as far as prayer requests and texts and, ch and changes and things like that that happen. Um, I know many of you are having a really, really uh, tough time right now. Um, there's a lot of concerns, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uh, decisions. Uh, and I just thought I'd take a few minutes this morning and kind of share with you something that um, helped, has helped me. Uh, I often, when I'm dealing with a family or when I'm dealing with people uh, during crisis times, I have a, a set of principles that I try to uh, share with them and help them as they, they work through it. Uh, and I find myself during this time actually going back to that. So uh, one of the things that I try to tell people to do is, look, take it one step at a time. Um, I've been in a situation in the hospital where... Uh, literally, it is, uh, it is at times an hour at a time. And uh, we just take what's in front of us for that hour and try to make it to the next hour and then deal with whatever comes at that hour. And so for many of you, I just challenge you to take it one step at a time here, whether it's a, uh, getting through the day or getting through the, the, the next crisis and, and just working your way through it. Um, uh, I, I think you see that um, as, as a principle just in handling life. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow brings Today has enough to deal with, so uh, we're reminded in Scripture, look, just deal with what you have on the day in front of you. Uh, second thing is control what you can control. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get into Philippians chapter 4. Um, uh, control is one of those odd things that often we think we're in control. It's somewhat of an illusion because the reality of it is, as our country is learning, we're not in control. And uh, as we as we can control things. And again, that's what we're going to look at in Philippians. Uh, we want to control what we can uh, control. And the other thing is just take care of the, ne the, the necessary 
life things like uh, making sure you sleep, uh, get a good night's rest, make sure you sleep, uh, eat, make sure you take care of yourself. Because as I often tell people uh, who are dealing with somebody in a hospital that, you know, when they come home, you're the primary caregiver. So you have to take care of yourself. And so I would just encourage you to not uh, put some of those things um, off to the side. So we're going to take a little bit of time this morning. We're going to focus on the Lord. We're going to focus on his word. And we are so grateful uh, that you have uh, joined us uh, during this time. So um, let's go ahead and uh, we will uh, look to the Lord in prayer and get started this morning. So Lord, um, thank you for all that you do. Um, Lord, this is hard, but uh, Father, we understand that it, that, that it could be worse. Um, Lord, we know that uh, there are a lot of problems and there are a lot of situations, Lord, that need solutions. But, Lord, there's, there, there's also opportunity. Uh, Lord, this morning we get to minister to people who, because of distance and time, could not, could not be with us even if they were in this area, and we thank you for that. Um, so, Lord, help us do the best we can with uh, the resources that we have in front of us. Uh, comfort and calm hearts this morning, Lord, for the next 30 minutes or so, Lord, we just speak to our hearts. Help us to uh, not just hear it, but to apply it and to do it. Um, and Lord, when all of this is over and when we get to gather back uh, together again, Lord, may you be honored and glorified. May each of us find ourselves closer to you and closer to one another and more appreciative, Lord, of all that we have been given. So guide and direct, and again, thanks for this time. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, we have, uh, we're actually on... Uh, session five of a series that we started about five weeks ago called uh, Anxious for Nothing. It's a Max Lucado study, and uh, this normally would be our last week, but uh, I want to take uh, one more verse. I want to go to the next verse in Philippians chapter four and talk about that next week and kind of put a nice bow on all of this that we've been studying. So it'll kind of help you as we, as we go through it all. So uh, this week, those of you who are following along in the study guide or in the book, uh, this will be the last week that will match that. And then after this, uh, next week, I think will just be helpful as we try to put all of it together. So for those of you that are joining us, let me kind of bring you up to speed on all of the stuff that's on the platform and what it means and, and what it's all about uh, so that we, we kind of understand where we are. So I'm going to try to go through four weeks of messages in about 10 minutes. So uh, hang on. Uh, we've talked about the idea that we've let this area of the stage represent the world. And so as it represents the world and, and everything that's in it, uh, this is the stuff that we deal with every day. It's the stuff that everybody deals with. And we've talked about the significance, the importance of the idea here that as we deal with all of this, everyone deals with this, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Um, uh, the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and it falls on the unjust. Jesus said, um, in the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to go through the same thing everybody else does, but be of good cheer, um, I have overcome the world. And we've talked about the idea that uh, this is where we all live, Christian or non-Christian, everybody's involved in all of the stuff that happens. The difference is that as a Christian, we, we have something that everybody else here does not have. What happened is Jesus, God, looking at this world situation, realized that because of sin, the world and him could not be together. So what Jesus did is he decided, God decided to come to this earth in the form of a baby. That's the Christmas story. And so what happens is Jesus comes to this earth 
He lives 33 plus years, sinless. He never sins. And he chooses to die. He chooses to go to a cross. He chooses to, to allow himself to die sinless. That's the Easter story. And so we're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks. And so Jesus lives uh, 33 plus years here. He lives sinlessly. He willingly goes to a cross. He dies on that cross sinless. Three days later, he comes out of a tomb showing that he has power over life and death. And now he is able to offer that sinlessness to anyone. His righteousness he can offer to anyone because he didn't use it. So he then makes the offer to us, to anyone who would be willing to accept it, that offer of, I will forgive you of your sin. I will, I will actually take care of your sin, and I will give you my righteousness. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what Jesus does is he willingly offers salvation to anyone who would accept it. So he makes that offer to anyone. We're all accountable to God. We will all stand before God. The question is whether we stand before God with our sin or with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so a Christian, a Christ follower, a disciple, someone who is, some people use the term born again, is someone who has come to a point in their life where they realize that they are a sinner, they realize that they need a Savior, and as best as they know how, they ask God to come into their life, forgive them of their sin, to be their Lord and Savior, to be their master, to be the one who sets the, 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 the guidelines for their life, and, and they try to follow those guidelines. And so for me, it was as a, as a teenager in Detroit, Michigan, where I realized I was a sinner, I realized I needed a Savior. I asked God to forgive me of my sin, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. And at that moment, my life changed. At that moment, I still lived in this world, but there was a different world that I was now a part of. I was now a part of the family of God. I was now, a, I was now one of God's children. And so what happened is, at that point in my life, and that point of anyone's life who's a follower of Christ, who's a Christian, someone who's done that, they now have something that this world does not have, that this world does not offer them. And that is the fact that they now, as a child of God, have a heavenly father that they can go to. So as we talk about that this morning, we want to understand that when Paul writes in uh, Philippians to this group of Christians in Philippi, he's reminding them of these things. Paul's in prison. Paul's gone through an awful lot. And Paul says, okay, let's understand. We, we understand we all are part of this world. And Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, he gives us, and this is where we have been for the last four weeks, he talks about the idea, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said, look, you and I live here, but you and I have the option as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you and I have the option to now come over here under the shelter and protection of Almighty God. We now have the opportunity to sit here, understand that we have a Heavenly Father who protects us, to, uh, to, uh, to um, approach the idea that we have a, a, a protection over top of us in the form of our Heavenly Father. So now our Heavenly Father is watching and guiding us as we have to live out there in that world. So Paul talks about this idea of, because you're a Christian, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in all that he's done, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Rejoice in the Lord. And Paul says always, in everything, 
do that. And then it's as if you didn't get it the first time. Paul says, oh, and let me say it one more time, rejoice. Then Paul goes on and he says, let your moderation or let your gentleness be known unto all men. So Paul said, as you live out here in the world, you need to let your gentleness, you need to let your, your, your demeanor be such that, that people look at you differently because you're handling life differently. You are calm in the midst of chaos. Paul said, you can live that way because you understand, and again, going back to our station, that the Lord is near. <clears throat> As a Christian, we have this, this idea that Jesus Christ is always near to us. So I can rejoice in the Lord. I can be gentle out there. I don't have to live in paranoia and fear and all of those things because I have the understanding that the Lord is near. And then Paul comes to the passage that we focused our whole study on. Paul said, don't be anxious for anything. Um, and the idea is that we don't have to be worried and paranoid and live in fear. Why? Because we understand that we don't have to be anxious for everything. And he goes on to say, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And I use the illustration of the trash can. Paul says, look, <clears throat> the reason you and I can live gently in the world is because we understand that the Lord is near. And we understand that we can take our things that bother us. So I use this vinegar bottle as an illustration. I can, I can take the things that bother me, the, the cares, as Peter said, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. I can take this, and it's the illustration of taking out the trash. Every week, I have stuff that I put in the trash. I put it into the trash. I don't think about it again. I take it to the curb on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday morning, the trash guy takes it away. And I don't, I don't deal with it again. I don't think about it again. And I talked about the idea that many of us, what we do is we sit here and... We say, yes, I prayed about it, but the reality of it is we, we don't let it go. We take it out of the trash can and we carry it with us all week long. It would be like me throwing this away on, on Friday morning and going, you know what, I'm not sure the trash guy's going to handle it right. So I carry this around all week. My wife comes to me and says, hey, why are you carrying that? I threw that out on, on Friday. And I say, no, you don't understand, honey. I'm, not, I'm worried the trash guy's not going to handle it right. So on Thursday morning, next Thursday morning, when he comes to pick up the trash, I'm going to meet him at the road, and I'm going to hand it to him to make sure he handles it the right way. And my wife would look at me and go, you're crazy. Put it in the trash. Let the trash guy take it out. And yet, this is the way most of us, most of us live our lives. And Paul said, look, cast, you take your prayers with, with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. You then take it, and you trust God with it, and then you... Don't worry about it anymore. You don't focus on it anymore. And what Paul says is, then, and this is where we were last week. Paul said, when you and I learn to do this, okay, when we learn to really do this and let God take care of it, God then makes a, a change for us. And what God does is God said, all right, now I'm going to hand you the peace of God. And I use this USB stick as an illustration. God said, I'm going to give you the peace of God. So what he does is he now hands us the same peace that he had when he was on this earth. Peace that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the uh, situation, Jesus finds himself acting in gentleness. 
Jesus finds himself acting in a way in which the world step by, steps back and go, boy, that's different. There's something unique about that. But just like this USB stick, until I put it in the computer and download it, it doesn't do me any good. And God says, I will give you my peace through any circumstance, through any situation, and I will offer it to you, but you have to do something with it. And that's where we come this morning. We're going to talk about this morning, this idea of how we download, how do we process all of this stuff. So we're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're looking um, at verse 8. And here's what he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul says, okay, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start to look at how you are focusing on, how you are handling life. Uh, the book of Proverbs says it this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The writer says, look, here's what you need to understand. You have to guard your heart in everything that you do. You have to protect your heart. You have to guide and direct everything that you do. Um, Annie Stanley says it this way. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. And that is so important for us to understand. I, I don't care what your intentions are. Tell me what direction you're going, and I'll tell you where you're going to end up. Um, Max Lucado in the study says it this way. Um, your problem is not your problem. The way you see it is your problem. Let me say it again. Your problem is not your problem. The way you see it is your problem. Paul says, look, here's a key to peace. What are you focused on? Tell me what you're focused on. I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. Um, now, remember, this is a guy who is writing. He has been beaten. He has been imprisoned. He has uh, been shipwrecked. He has been stoned. Uh, he has been bitten by a snake. He, all kinds of things. He's in prison, and he writes to these people, and his attitude is one of joy rejoicing when he writes to the church of Philippi two key words in the book over and over again are the word joy and and the Lord and and Paul writes here when he writes to these people he says look you need to understand that is so important to having peace in the midst of chaos to having calm in an anxiety-filled world um, because Paul understood what Jesus taught and that's what Satan wants to do in each of our lives this week um, Jesus said it this way, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This week, Satan has one goal for you. He wants to rob you stuff out of your life. He wants to destroy everything he can destroy. Any peace that you have, he wants it gone. Any joy that you have, he doesn't want it to exist. Because that's his goal. He's going to lie to you to get everything focused towards those ends. That's why Jesus said, John chapter 8, um, he, said, he says, when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of lies. Satan is going to lie to you all week long. That's why when Paul gives this list about what to think of, one of the, one of the things that he focuses on is that which is true. Uh, because he understands that Satan is a liar. So, practically we have to really focus on what it is that we think about as we head through this week so um let me go back to our passage 
Uh, and then we'll get into some practical things, and I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate in a way you won't ever forget it. So here's what he said. <laughs> I want to look at the end of the verse first. Notice what he says. Think on these things. Uh, this is a really interesting word. Um, in the Greek culture, the idea uh, of thinking, uh, it's actually a word that means logical, progressive kind of thinking. Uh, the Greek world was really big on thinking. Um, you had all the Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, all these guys coming out of this Greek culture. Because how you thought and what you thought and logic and all these kinds of things were really big ideas. And Paul says, look, what I want you to do is I want you to think critically and logically about the things that you allow into your life. Uh, it's, it's actually an accounting term. Uh, and, and what I would say is I, I use Quicken um, for my personal uh, uh, finances. Uh, and what happens is I have all my accounts in Quicken, and I go in, and I hit one-step update. Now, I can sit there and tell my wife how much money we have here and what's here and what we owe and what bills are coming in and everything else. But the bottom line is when I do the one-step update, it gives me an accurate reflection of where I actually am, not where I think I am. And what Paul is saying is, look, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your life and I want you to think about exactly where you are. I want you to think about what you allow into your life. I want you to think about what it is that you are feeding yourself mentally all week long. And he goes through the list. So he starts and he says, here's the things you need to allow in. You need to do things that are true. Um, and that is so important, especially in light of the last couple of weeks. Um, it has the idea of being honest. It has the idea of being genuine. Um, look, in light of what's happened, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there right now. Uh, and you have to understand um, the goal of media, whether it's TV, whether it's social media, uh, whatever. The goal of media has one goal, eyeballs. The more eyeballs that they get, the more money they make. The longer those eyeballs stay there, the more money they make. The media is not interested in truth. The media is interested in eyeballs. So what happens is they're not going to say, they're not going to come out there and tell you what's coming up uh, uh, after the commercial. They're going to give you a teaser so that you watch after the commercial. The teaser may or may not have the actual facts, it will allude to it. Why? Because they're interested in eyeballs. They're not interested in truth. So in the midst of all this stuff, what I'm starting to see is everybody all of a sudden has become an expert on this. And so what I have done for myself is I've said, okay, I have found a resource for me that gives true, accurate, factual information that's not interested in, in, in eyeballs. Uh, why? Because I want, I, I want accurate information. So I have tried to come up with and I have found and researched a place. Now, that's not, the place that I go does not spoon feed me. I still have to do the math, but they give me the stats. They give me the data to process myself. Um, this is what we're saying, that which is true. Um, things that are honest. It's the idea of worthy, of, of respect. Uh, then he talks about that which is right or just. He uses that term about 80 times. That is the idea of, of that which is straight, um, not that which is crooked. Um, pure, without, it has the idea of without stain or blemish. Um, actually, it was a word used at the temple. Uh, when, when someone would bring an offering, they would, they would look at that, that offering, and they would determine whether or not it was acceptable, whether it was pure. And if it had spots or things like that on it, and it couldn't be offered, they'd have to go bring another offering. Paul said, look, what, what you need to do is you need to look at things that are pure, things that, that, that are um, not not tainted or blemished um, into your life. 
Um, lovely. Uh, it's interesting, the next two words are only used once in the scripture. Um, lovely has the idea of it, it generates a response of love. Um, things that uh, don't generate paranoia and fear and those kinds of things, but instead they generate love. They generate a loving response. And then he talks about good report. This literally has the idea of being um, high-toned um, with it. And Paul says, look, if you start focusing on these things, then what you're going to find is you're going to find virtuous, you're going to find praise, you're going to find a whole different mindset in order to be able to live out your Christian life. So, with all of that background in mind, let me illustrate it, let me try to help you understand it in such a way. This is one of those, this is one of those illustrations where I really wish people were here uh, because it's going to look better here than it will um, there. Plus, after the service, I can have a lot of fun with this with the kids, uh, with uh, just playing after the service. But, uh, and I know some of you are going to think you've, I've lost my mind. You're going to be like, we've got to get back and meet because he, he's gone over the edge already. But you just trust me and, and hopefully it's all. What I want to do this morning is I want to illustrate this with bubbles. And I want to kind of use that to understand where we are as a culture, to understand what has happened in the last couple of weeks, to understand how we start to manage it. So um, I, I've, got, I've got here, I'm going to use this to illustrate. This is our life before the crisis, okay? We all had stuff, so I'm going to let the bubbles represent that. We all had stuff that we had to deal with, okay? And I'm going to, so this was our world. I mean, we were used to it. The, the stuff that we dealt with was all different kinds of sizes. We had big, big issues and little issues, and we had some issues that we had to deal with longer than other issues. But this is the world before these last couple of weeks. And you know what? Some of us manage this kind of world better than others, but this is the world that we all lived in. And we learned how to handle our bubbles, and we learned how to get help with our bubbles, and we, we, as stuff would come up, we would deal with it. And this is how most of us live pre the last couple of weeks. What has happened is, because of everything that's going on, not only are we dealing with that, but this... Um, this is our new um, reality. Because every time we turn around, what we have is we are getting bombarded with stuff. Uh, no matter what happens, it, it, it's always, whether it's we're getting in our email, uh, we're getting it on social media, we're getting it when we turn on TV or radio, we're getting it on podcast, we try to go into the store and there's all kinds of reminders of it. We drive down the street and there's all kinds of reminders of it. So all of a sudden now we have this huge world of influx of stuff that we're being surrounded by. And in addition to this, we still have this going on. We still have all of our own stuff. So this is the world now that we're all starting to live into. And it is becoming, like you see, overwhelming. Because it's like, you know what, I just can't handle all of the stuff that's happening in my world. And what Paul says is he writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, listen, he said, here's what's going to happen. He said, in order for you to be able to handle it, in order for you to live peacefully in a world of calm, you're going to have to start filtering out stuff. You're going to have to decide what gets through. So I want this box to represent what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. <laughs> I want this to represent things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure things that are lovely, things that are of good report. What Paul says is what you have to do is you have to take this 
and you now have to put it and start to filter out the stuff that now comes into that you allow in your life. You have to put some filter in there. Now look, it's still going to come through. But in addition to dealing with stuff, the real life stuff that I've always been dealing with, the other stuff coming in, I filter out stuff that is not one of those things that Paul talks about. So now the things that are coming out, so am I still living in this world? Yes. But the things that are coming in are things that are good, helpful, loving, kind. Those are the things that I'm bringing into my life. And this is what Paul says. You have control over some of this by what you let in. You have the ability to maintain and change some of this. So for me, personally, here's what's happened. I watch less news now than I did before this situation. I choose now where I get my news from. Instead of just turning on, listening, whatever, now all of a sudden I go, you know what? Um, <clears throat> there was so much stuff, I don't have time to filter it out, so I need a good, solid source. I have now, I have friends. On Facebook, I have friends who they started posting everything about this thing. Every time I turn on their Facebook page or every time I saw a post, it was about this or it was about that or it was about this or it was about that or it was about this. And here's what I did. I filtered them. I'm still friends with them, but I snoozed them for 30 days. I said, you know what? I don't have time to look at their stuff. and I, I don't want to know all of this stuff. I, so I snoozed them. And at the end of 30 days, they'll start popping back up on my Facebook feed. And I'll decide whether or not I need to filter them again and block out some of the stuff or whether or not, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm in a situation where I can handle more of it now. Right now, it's too overwhelming. So I've snoozed them for 30 days. I've, there's, there's news, there's things that I used to watch. I don't watch now. Wait till this whole thing calms down. Why? Because I have to control what I'm allowing in at this point. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, you're always going to be dealing with this. This is your life stuff. But this other stuff that you have control over, you've got to start filtering it. You have to decide that you're the one who's going to control what starts coming in to your life at this point. And one of the reasons people are struggling right now is there's no filter. And so what happens is, let's just talk about algorithms. And I don't want to get too far and, and lose you, but you know, we're a computer family, so uh, let me help you with it. When you post something on Facebook, what Facebook does is go, yeah, that's what you like, so they feed you more of it. So what happens for some of you is, when you look at your Facebook feeds right now, it is all this. Because you have not filtered it out, and the more you feed it, it would be like me taking, and, and this is where some of you are, it would be like me taking this, and because you have used the social media to say, hey, pay attention to this, hey, pay attention to this, what Facebook does is it sets up another seven bubble machines. And then you become overwhelmed going, I can't live like this. I can't handle all this. And you end up being paranoid and fearful and focused on all of that. And so when I come up here and give you a list like this, you just look at it as another bubble. When I come in here and say stuff like rejoice in the Lord, the Lord is near, all you see is another bubble you have to deal with. Because you haven't learned to do what Paul said. Paul said, look, and for some of you, here, here's what you need to do. For some of you, honestly, you're not, really not even at the point where you can do a filter right now. And here's what you need to do. You need to just turn it off. 
You just not go on social media for the next couple of days or week. You go, well, what, 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 what? I'll miss something. No, you won't. Some of you just need to turn off TV. You need to find something else to watch. For some of you, that, you may have to go that extreme. And let me tell you something. If you've got eight bubble machines set up, you better start turning some of them off. You better start filtering them out, or you better start setting filters to go, you know what, this is what I'm going to let through. This is what I'm going to let through. Because social media, you can let the right things through. Like I say, you can, we're going to talk about that when I close today. But you can, you can do it, and you can set up the filter so that the only thing that starts coming through are things that fall into the category Paul's talking about. These are now helpful to me. They're not overwhelming. They actually help offset these kind of things that are still going on in my world. Because all of a sudden now I have these added to it. I have encouraging things. I have things that are good. I have things that are true. I have things that are honest. I have things that are of good report. So now I have now added something that helps me deal with this. And I, I, I hope that makes sense because I see a lot of people right now struggling because there's no filter. And they can't figure out why it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse because it's what you're feeding in your mind. It's the direction that you're heading with your life. So Paul says, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you how you can live calmly in the midst of all of this. You rejoice in the Lord. You understand that you can be gentle, not paranoid in the way you live your life. Because you understand that the Lord is near. And you understand that you have the option to cast all your care upon him, to take your request, to put them on him, push him aside. He offers you his peace. And one of the ways that you get that peace is by allowing in things that are good, true, honest, just, virtuous. <clears throat> when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says it this way, you bring every thought into captivity of Christ. You start to realize that the things that you allow in are helping you. They're not mixed in with all the stuff that hurts you. It allows you to have a healthy mindset as we're in the middle of all of the craziness that's happening right now. That allows you to be able to rejoice. It allows you to be able to focus on the Lord. It allows you to be able to focus on the things that you have, not the things that you've lost. It allows you to see life differently. And when the world comes to you and goes, aren't you scared, aren't you paranoid? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because you have a whole series of things around you that remind you of the goodness of God. That's why Paul says this is so important. That if you're going to have calm in the midst of chaos, you have to learn how to do this. And you have to control some of the things that you do have control over. Each week I end with a uh, benediction or a, a challenge in that. So this, this week, before we pray, here's what I want to remind you of. Paul gives us a key to accessing the peace of God. We're responsible for what we allow into our lives. So we need to learn to control, filter the thing that we have control over. We've got to embrace things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. And that way we'll be able to praise and we'll be able to see goodness even in the midst of everything that's going on. See, when we change the filter of what we're going to allow in, we position ourselves to have a healthy response 
that is pleasing to God and that gives us opportunity to encourage those around us. So let's close in a word of prayer. And um, got a couple things I want to say at the end, so let's pray. Lord, thanks for the day. Lord, it is overwhelming right now. The Lord, part of the reason it's overwhelming is because we've allowed so much in. So Lord, help us this week to put up some filters. Help us this week to really focus on things that are much different than what our media wants us to focus on. Lord, may we find the good in a bad situation. May we see the opportunities instead of the challenges and the problems. And Lord, may we be able to, as the world looks at us, may we be able to be people who are gentle, who have a calm about us, because, Lord, we have a way to handle things that the world knows nothing of. So, Lord, help us to be a light and a testimony and use us during this time. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, that is uh, going to wrap up our time with you this morning. I, I miss seeing everyone on Sunday. Um, some pastors have uh, they've been putting pictures of people in the chairs or pews to help them as they preach. I thought about it, but then I realized everyone sits in a different place every Sunday, so it wouldn't help me anyway. I wouldn't know where to put them. Um, but uh, I just want to thanks for coming. Um, the last few weeks, uh, I have gotten to park right next to the front door, which has kind of been a little different for me. But I am uh, really looking forward to the Sunday that I have to go back to parking in the far corner and walking across the parking lot that's going to be filled with cars and people. So I am really looking forward to us getting back together um, again. Um, let us know if we can help you. And I want you to encourage somebody this week. Uh, here is what we are going to do this week. Um, in light of my message this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm starting tomorrow. Um, every day this week, I'm going to post a vo verse or song or something that I think will encourage you and help you, that falls into one of these categories, um, to try to encourage you in the days ahead. Um, you can use it to help you. You can use it to uh, share with somebody else and, and help them. But let's work this week at trying to get our bubbles under control um, and see if it doesn't really change the direction uh, of your week. So have a great week. and. Uh, Lord willing, we look forward to having you join us online next week as well. Lord bless you. Have a great week.